TSN Drive with Dave Naylor and Jeff O'Neill continues. On TSN 1050 Toronto. And worldwide on TSN 1050.ca. You're listening to TSN Drive. Dave Naylor alongside Jeff O'Neill. In just a moment, we will welcome Scott Gordon, former assistant coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs to the program. Of course, uh, he was part of the changes last year, last week, excuse me, when the Leafs announced that Randy Carlisle would be back, but his assistants would not. What do you think, and not necessarily, Jeff, this specific example, but what do you think of just the idea of saying, we want a coach, but we don't want the assistants that he selected to be back with him? I find it bizarre, to be quite honest with you. It's uh, The only reason I find it bizarre is just when I go back to, to Tim Maiwiki's speech to everyone in Leafs Nation saying, I don't like the culture here and there's going to be changes to take a new direction. I don't know. I, 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 I find it bizarre. Because I, I find it just a little concerning because I've heard coaches sometimes when things don't work out after the fact say, well, one of the problems is I didn't get to choose my own assistants. Yeah. Because they, they need to trust the people who are around them. Sure. So how how safe can he be or feel when it's like we're going to strip you of all your assistance? Is it just saying if you stumble out of the gate, you're the next one? I, I don't know. Well, I think they gave him the extra years, years on the contract to try to mitigate that kind of talk. But uh, as we know, that doesn't always work out the way they plan. Scott Gordon is a former assistant coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He joins us on the line now. Scott, welcome to TSN Drive. Hey, guys. How are you? Not too badly. Uh, we talked a little earlier on the show how this Leaf season was uh, really in two parts, I guess, sort of up to the Olympic break or maybe up to the California trip and, uh, and then after. Uh, when you look back on this, now that the season is behind you a little bit, uh, what do you think was the difference between the way the Leafs played up until that point and the final about 14 games of the season? Well, I, I, I think Winsley. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we had some struggles down the stretch, and I think if you asked anybody that was around the team, whether it's players, management, or uh, coaches, uh, we all felt that uh, there were some holes in our games and in our game, and um, we, as a staff, we weren't we weren't happy with the, even the start that we had. We we felt like there was uh, uh, some some holes in our game that we had to improve upon, and and really is ongoing conversations throughout throughout the year. Scott, you mentioned some holes in your game, and I would imagine one thing you're talking about is your defensive zone coverage and all-around ability to defend. Uh, I know what I saw, and I'm pretty sure you guys know what you saw. How come the players weren't able to change what was going on out there? Well, I, I think, you know, like uh, you, you talk about defensive zone coverage, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, you, you're always faced with the dilemma, you, you change things. And, you know, we finished last year uh, playing in Boston in the playoffs and having a pretty good year as far as the, the lockout season went. Came into the season with the same defensive zone coverage. And, uh, you know, whether whether you like the coverage or not like the coverage, we had success. And uh, last year, and the, the game plan was to continue with it at the start of this year. And, and um, when you look at throughout the season, uh, when we saw our struggles as far as the amount of shots we were giving up and the amount of scoring chances we were giving up, uh, even though we, we made some alterations in our defensive zone coverage throughout the year, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your defensive zone coverage is. The bottom line is we spent too much time in the defensive yeah. zone. And that's not, you know, that's not just a, a case of, uh, 
you know, being good in the offensive zone. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of things that, that happen along the way, and, and part of it's being good defensively, but you've got to manage the puck throughout the neutral zone and, and making sure that you're getting pucks deep when they have to go deep. And when you get in the offensive zone, you've got to maintain possession and, and make sure that you're not throwing the puck away or, or just being a one-hit wonder on your entries and, and not getting sustained pressure. And you know, I think anybody will tell you that if you want to score more in the offensive zone, if you want to give up less goals, spend less time in the defensive zone. And, and that's something that we struggle with all year. Certain people around the league, whether it be players or someone watching the game, describe the Toronto Maple Leafs as a team that's not ex- difficult to play against. Would you agree with that assessment? Well, I, I mean, I guess you'd have to define where, where we're not difficult to play against. I mean, I mean, just as far as compete level, there's a price to pay once there's a battle for the puck or, or whatever that may entail as far as being difficult to play against. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, for any team to be successful, you have to win one-on-one battles. That's what the game of hockey is about, and how many battles you come up with uh, for loose pucks and, and 50-50 battles that ultimately you're going to have more puck possession. So, you know, I think every team strives to, to have to put together a team that is going to compete all the time for, for those situations. And, you know, whether our team was good enough or not in that area, you know, we, we had pretty much the same team as we had last year and we had success so you know, I'm not sure that it was necessarily the case this year but I, I, I do know that uh, you know the, the f- formula for success that we had last year we, we just didn't manage to uh, get on track this year. We're in conversation with former Maple Leaf assistant coach Scott Gordon. Scott I've often heard coaches say it's a lot easier to teach or to correct habits after a loss than it is after a win. When you look at some of those early season victories that you guys got where maybe you were outplayed, were those perhaps more of a curse in the end than a blessing? Well, I, you know, it's funny that there's a lot of truth in that. And, you know, you, you, like when we saw holes in our game at the beginning of the year, one of the things that we talked about was turnovers. And, you know, it's a hard thing to tell your team that you're not playing well when you turn the puck over a lot and, and you're winning. And, you know, players look at you like, well, we're having success. Let's leave it alone. I mean, I think that's human nature. And, you know, finally when it caught up to us where we, we strung together some losses, that that was something we, we tried to hammer home that we have to hammer home that we had to be better in those areas. And, uh, you know, I, 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 we, when we look back, I mean, there was a lot of things that uh, we discussed and we tried to change. And whether it was wins and losses, you know, we I think for the most part the whole year we, we talked about trying to get better in, in a lot of areas. And, and some areas we did get better and some areas we didn't. And, um, you know, that's probably, that was probably the, the thing that uh, hurt us in the end is that we didn't, be, we didn't get the consistency that we needed in all the areas that had to get better. Scott, one of the things we, we try to observe and, and measure is how much patience Randy Carlisle and his staff had from game to game. A couple of young players on this team who people see bright things for in their future but wonder kind of how to manage their development way. And those are Nazem Kadri, Jake Gardner. Can you tell us, give us a sense of how much patience that you felt the staff had was by the end of the season. Well, I think with young players, especially now that a lot of the young players are playing in the NHL right away, they have early success. Um, you know, there's 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 a you, you you have to have patience because they're especially with the salary cap the way it is, those players are going to play, and I don't think you'll get any more clearer evidence of <clears throat> excuse me Randy's patience uh, than he had with uh, Jake Gardner as far as I can tell you what his mindset in our office is and that you know nobody should sell Jake uh, down the river until he's played 300 games in the NHL and. 
know, Jake's, you know, from our standpoint, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, we liked having him as part of our mix. And from my standpoint, I, I thought he got better as the year went on, and I think it was reflected in his ice time, his responsibility. He went from being on the second power play to the first power play. His minutes went up, and and uh, I think that's the kind of thing that, that Randy was talking about. And, you know, I, it always surprised me when I saw that, uh, you know, there was a conflict between Jake and, and Randy. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're a young player. You're going to have your struggle, struggles, and the coach is going to get on you. That that goes with the territory. But at, at the end of the day, in Jake's case anyway, his ice went up as the year went on, and, and uh, there was significant progress in his game. And, and I think that's the understanding that, that Randy had, and he has with all young players, is, you know, you're going to have some growing pains, but you're also going to understand that uh, there's going to be times that the coach has to get on you and, and point things out and, and try to make you a better player. Scott, when you're talking about a player like Jake Gardner, you've been around the game a long time. Uh, I like to think I have as well. How do you teach a young player that it's not necessarily about individual skill set? Uh, when I look at a player like Drew Doughty, he's awfully gifted as well, offensively. But there's a level of caring and compete level that's there that separates him. And I look at Jake Gardner, it seems like after a win or a loss, it's kind of, I don't know if I can say ho-hum, but just that caring and desperation. How do you bring that to a young player's game? I, I think he cares. Well, I know he cares. Um, I, I understand he cares, but sometimes it just, I don't know, it almost seems like it doesn't come across that way. Well, I, I think the, the, with the case of Jake is, and it, and it applies for a lot of gifted offensive players. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm sure Jeff, you, you know yourself when you when you first come into the league, you know, there's it's identifying, you know, when to make a play and when not to make yeah. a play. They talked and, about, I mean, they talked about Drew Doughty last night, and they said he is probably seven times better right now, or ten times better right now than he was when he was nominated for the Norris when he was just a seventy point D man. Right, and. And I, I, I remember having a conversation with uh, Jake, and is a is over just about uh, a turnover, and and just making a point to him about Phil. When I first came to Toronto, uh, I, I remember you know there were times where Phil would make plays that just weren't there, and and <laughs> the particular clip that I showed Jake was just of uh, Phil picking the puck up in the defensive zone, didn't have a play, and he chipped it out. And my point to him was that. You know, here's a guy that is as offensive as anybody in the NHL, but he's recognizing along the way that, you know, you don't have to sell the farm on every single play that, that you make. And, and uh, you know, have a comfort in knowing that the best defensemen in the game have been able to throw the puck off the glass and live to fight another day. Yeah. You're going to get out there and, and, and you're going to play. So don't feel as though that every time you have the puck, you've got to make something happen. Sometimes it's not there, and a lot of times it just depends on where you are on your shift, especially at the end of the shift, and, and if you're going to force and make a mistake, you're not going to be able to recover from it. That even magnifies it more. Uh, Scott, we appreciate your time on all this, and uh, best of luck going forward. All right, thank you, guys. Scott Gordon, former assistant coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, one of three who was let go at the same time the Leafs announced the retention of Randy Carla, and because I was ragging on this last week about the whole thing about giving the guy a contract extension so that he's not lame duck, I, I, I pointed this out yesterday, but there's another example of what I'm talking about being this being a myth. Pittsburgh loses to Boston in four games last year. The Penguins gave Dan Bilesma an extension. Two years on the end of his contract. I, I, don't, know go. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why. Why do you want to do that? It's, I don't know. Because they don't want him to be a lame duck and have the team quit on him, and they might lose in the second round. Oh, they did. I, I just, I don't know.
Just, I, you I, and I work in here. What do we do? Come in here when we suck for a month and somebody says, we're not going to let you go. We're going to keep you for another couple months. Yeah. Another couple years. We'll see if you just suck for two more years. Give you that security. To give you security. <laughs> what do you mean? You suck. <laughs> I don't get it. We'll be back with more of the O-Dog in just a moment. Bob McKenzie coming up at 5 o'clock. Also in our second hour, Mark Savard, longtime NHLer, former Boston Bruin. That's ahead. You're listening to TSN Drive. You're listening to TSN Drive with Dave Mailer and Jeff O'Neill. On TSN 1050 Toronto. And worldwide on TSN 1050.ca. Drive, Dave Naylor alongside Jeff O'Neill, Bob McKenzie coming up at 5 o'clock at 5.30. Former NHLer Mark Savard, of course, uh, former member of the Boston Bruins and was knocked out by a series of concussions, of course, one of which led to changes in the National Hockey League. It was uh, Rule 48 that followed the hit from Matt Cook, which was not penalized. Cook was not suspended for that one. At that time, the blindside hit to the head was not illegal in the National Hockey League. Mark Savard, in his own way. What about Matt Cook the other night? Hitting from he behind. He just came back from suspension, and he hit another I, guy from behind. And I've been a Matt Cook defender of late because of the fact that he had a you know, good record for 18 months, and the hit he made on Tyson Berry was not his signature hit. His was more a head hit, and this I'll one was another this. one. This uh, one's from behind. I'll tell you this. If Johnny Oduya had have went down and just acted like he was out cold, it would have been 25 games for Matt Cook. But he got right back up, and it didn't really... No, you're right. And if he was out of the next series, Matt Cook, see you at Christmas. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. But that's part of the discipline system of the National Hockey League. Want to get to baseball for a second. Blue Jays clobbered last night against the Cleveland Indians, 15-4. to And uh, among the things that happened, Marcus Stroman came in for the, the bullpen, threw 33 pitches, gave up four earned runs, five hits, and a walk. This guy is one of the Blue Jays' young Gems of the future. Of course and, he is. And, of course, on Sunday I was at the game, and he got pounded there against the Angels. want to get into the whole idea, your perspective on young players who are brought up to the major leagues, whatever sport we're talking about, and are you if they start to struggle, are you better to let them work through their struggles or are you better to send them back to a lower level where they can have success? Well, you generally know how I talk when the red light goes off and we're discussing things. Off the air. Yes. Which is not that different, by the way, to the way you discuss stuff <laughs> on the air. For people Minus who maybe want few... Maybe slightly more colorful, but really not that yeah. different. Well, I, I just remember playing throughout my career, and I, I developed these relationships with my assistant coaches. And it's so weird in pro sports because somebody drafted a certain guy, and they got to give him a look. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't make your GM look dumb, whether it's a first-rounder. And I was I would always skate up to my assistant coaches and say you you're not serious with this guy are you? And they would be like you know you got to give him like there's obviously a process right? <laughs> you can't go on ten minutes of warm up drills because that's how I, that was my scouting it was, I would just look at him and say this this is this guy cannot play in this league, and I'll tell you what my rate of approval was pretty darn good because sure enough two weeks later back down to the never see the guy again, so maybe I wasn't that crazy. But if you look at Detroit, they always say they let them bake in the minors until they're overripe, and then they get the opportunity. But that's not the world we live in now. We live in the world of 
When you're 14 years old, we discussed it earlier, an agent knocks on your door. They tell you how great you are. They promise you the world. They pull out their scroll of people that they have in the NHL, and they promise that to you, and they promise that to your mom and dad, and people get all crazy about it. And then some of these college kids, they have general managers and owners taking their private jets to go see them. And the only way that they will sign a contract with that NHL team is if they promise them they're going to be on the roster next year. They want no part of riding the a bus. college free agents you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't want to ride a bus in the American Hockey League. They want no part of it. How many games, how many games do you play in the AHL? I played one. Thank God Robert Crom broke his ankle that night and I went to L.A. two days later. That was a changing thing in my life, Dave. To go from Springfield, Massachusetts to Los Angeles? Are you kidding me? When the Jeff O'Neill book is written, it's American Hockey League years will be a short chapter. <laughs> it's it's you know what? It was it was about three days, but it's it's probably four chapters. I can write four <laughs> chapters on it. I can just remember getting on the bus. I had my nice suit on because the guys in the show they said you gotta buy nice stuff. You can't look like a grubby little junior hockey player. So I get on the bus and everyone's wearing these track suits eating Doritos <laughs> potato chips. I just said, I, I, I don't know, where am I at right now? I can't do this for very much longer. The tide turned and I ended up back in the NHL. Bob McKenzie will be in here next, also in our second hour. Mark Savard, former Boston Bruin, will join us. That's all I had with Jeff O'Neill. I'm Dave Naylor. You're listening to TSN Drive.